temperature getting up to 56 degrees with the winds out of the east and southeast this afternoon at around 10 miles per hour. For tonight, clear skies and cool, overnight low of 45. And on Sunday, a beautiful day, mostly sunny and warmer. The high temperature getting up an average of 68 degrees, but it will cool off at the coast during the afternoon as sea breezes develop during the day on Sunday. For Sunday night, clear skies, not as cool, overnight low of 52. And Monday, it looks nice and toasty, no sea breezes, lots of sun, and the afternoon high near 78 degrees. A little cooler, though, as you get closer to the Cape. For WATD, I'm meteorologist Jim Manning. Now, Talk Real Estate with Sharon McNamara. Brought to you by Boston Connect Real Estate Services. Connect with Sharon now at 781-837-4900 and online at bostonconnect.com. Now, here's Sharon McNamara. Good morning, South Shore. This is uh, Andrew Monticone uh, with Leader Bank. I'm a mortgage loan officer. Welcome to Talk Real Estate. I am filling in this week for the famous Sharon McNamara over at Boston Connect Real Estate, one of the best uh, real estate agents and broker owners in the business. Uh, we have a, an exciting show for you today, uh, a lot of good information. I'm sitting a- across from me. Uh, the biggest, baddest attorney in, in Massachusetts. Uh, real estate attorney. Real estate attorney, excuse me. Uh, Brad Mahoney. How's it going, Brad? It's going great. How are you doing, Andrew? I'm, I'm doing good. Uh, the market right now, the real estate market, really is, uh, I don't know if I, what word I would use to describe it, but I guess the best word is it, it's moving and it's busy. I agree with that. I would also say it's a seller's market. Uh, there's a lot of buyers out there. There's not a lot of inventory. Uh, real estate is local, as they say, so market to market, it's different. But most markets, you're looking at the sellers having the upper hand. And uh, one thing we're going to talk about today is the importance of knowing what you're getting into as both a buyer and a seller when you sign an offer to purchase. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of good information today. And I, and I encourage the listeners at any time, if you have any real estate or, or mortgage-related questions, please call into the show and, and feel free to ask myself or Brad. The number is 781-837-4900. Again, any real estate uh, questions, mortgage-related or, or purchase and sale questions, anything at all, please feel free to call in 781-837-4900. So we're going we're gonna to jump into it, and we're going to talk about offers to start. So probably one of the biggest things in a transaction, I, I would say, is when somebody actually decides they want to make an offer. So a buyer finds a property, and they say, okay, I'm going to make an offer. Take take me through what happens. Okay, so first of all, most times, and when I say most, I'd say 99.99% of times, lawyers don't get involved until after the offer is signed and an inspection has been done on the property. So Massachusetts, how it works is there's an offer to purchase contract, which has a bunch of contingencies uh, and lists out the dates and the price, what have you, of the transaction. One thing to keep in mind with real estate for a contract to be binding, to be valid, it has to be in writing. Okay. So if you're a buyer out there looking at properties and you're dealing with a real estate agent, which you should be, going to go look at different properties, you make a decision that we're going to put forth an offer. Well, there's a usually a standard form offer that's put together. And in that, you list the price you want to pay, any mortgage contingency financing contingencies you have. And this is because uh, they're the offer to purchase? This is the offer to purchase contract. And so, again, so most it, of the time it's a standard yep. form. So in other states... 
what happens is, uh, not in all states, but in, in a lot of them, there's just one contract. But in Massachusetts, you, there's a two-step process. There's the offer to purchase, and that's what we're talking about right now. Then you go to purchase and sale. So so go ahead, continue with that, the offer to that's purchase. That's correct. So with the offer to purchase, it's a contract. Mm-hmm. And people have to keep in mind that when you sign this, you give an initial deposit, usually $1,000, but there's all conditions subsequent, okay, things that have to happen for the offer not to be binding, but to go forth to the closing date. And what we're going to talk about today is a lot of the contingencies that are in this offer. The thing to keep in mind for sellers and buyers is that even though it's a two-step process with offer to purchase followed by the purchase and sale agreement, the offer to purchase is a binding contract. Now, the attorneys usually come in after the offer to purchase and sign? That's correct. After this has been signed? That is correct. That is Would correct. it be more beneficial if they came in prior to that? You know, sometimes, uh, thankfully not all the time, but sometimes we're undoing some mistakes that were made on offers. Yep. Uh, I just don't think it's efficient. I think cost-wise, the way we're used to it in Massachusetts is that a boilerplate form, mm-hmm. which is protective of both sides and the deal is used. Yep. Uh, it gets a little scary sometimes when a lot of extra language is added in and what the intentions of the parties are. Got it. Uh, and that's where you might want to consult an attorney if you've got specific, maybe outside the box contingencies that you're dealing with. Okay, uh, so I want to just back up and I want to walk the listeners just through how through this. So I'm a buyer and I find a property that, that I like. I'm going to sign an offer to purchase first. That is correct. Then what normally comes is an inspection and then you usually bring a real estate attorney in to, to review before you sign what's called the purchase and sale. Correct. And in the offer to purchase, there's other contingencies outside of the inspection. Okay, for example? There's a mortgage contingency. Yep. If you're buying a condo, there's a contingency that gives you time to before you sign the purchase and sale to review the condo documents, the budget, the financials yep. of the condo association. There's, in this market, uh, if you are someone who has to sell in order to buy, there's a home sale contingency. There is ultimately the agreement that the contingency is coming to a mutual agreement mm-hmm. on a purchase and sale agreement. There is, uh, for for sellers, there's a suitable housing contingency, meaning that they might not have to sell and go forward if they can't find the place they're looking for down the road. Okay. Not as common, but uh, something that we see. And an appraised value contingency, where you as the buyer, if the seller accepts this, if your bank's appraisal doesn't value the property at or above the purchase price, you get your deposit money back and you don't have to go forward. If if it's in the if it's in uh, one of the contingencies. Depends. That's the lawyer's favorite answer, right? Okay. Uh, it depends. It depends. <laughs> it depends on your financial situation. So you could if um, your, your lender if you if money's tight and your down payment is really using up all of your savings and the appraised value comes in below the price, you're probably going to get denied for the loan. If you're flush with cash, uh, and you are able to make up the difference between the appraised value and a purchase price, yep. you aren't necessarily going to be denied for the loan. So you have to keep that in mind when you're deciding if uh, an appraised value and how it equates to the price, how important that is to you with your offer. 781-837-4900 is the phone number here. If you have any real estate-related questions, feel free to call in. We do have some open lines. Um, also, if, if anyone has any questions regarding the timing of how to buy and sell at the same time, uh, that's that's a hot hot topic right now. Uh, how that works, the timing, and we're going to dive into some of the some of the things that will help uh, some sellers out uh, when, when looking to buy and sell at the same time. Um, so, Brad, let's talk. About, let's kind of go into detail about some of these contingencies that we're that we're talking about. 
For for example, what's a what's a kickout clause? So a kickout clause it relates to a buyer's home sale contingency. So if uh, an offer is put forward and the buyers of the property have a home sale contingency, all right. So for example, I'm I'm looking to buy your house, but I have to sell my house in order to buy your house. That's correct. Does that sound right. So I, as the seller, if I'm trying to protect my interest, will want to, until you have your house, and it depends on what we agree to, but usually until your house is under agreement, I'm going to want to retain the right to continue to market my property. And if I get other bona fide offers in writing, Mm -hmm. I can present those to you. And it gives you up to 48 hours to decide if you're going to waive your home sale contingency. If you elect that you don't want to take the risk, I, as the seller, can go on to this third offer or second offer, I should say, and deal with them directly, and unfortunately, you're out of the game. But if you decide, okay, you know what, we really like this house, uh, we're confident we're gonna sell our house, or we maybe if we don't sell our house, we can still afford to carry both, and we wanna do that, then you could decide, okay, listen, um, it's great you got another offer, but we're gonna continue on, we're gonna waive our home sale contingency. So it sounds like what this kickout clause does is it it really lights a fire under your, under the buyer to try to, you know, just to, sell their house if, that, if that's what they you know what I mean if that's the it should anyway I would think yeah because it, 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 it creates uncertainty so it, it, we're again we're in a market where I'm, I'm gonna say um, with a broad stroke it's a seller's market mm-hmm. and if you've got a home sale contingency that's one thing that's good is you're probably gonna sell your house pretty quick so you can get by this contingency but the other thing is you gotta understand that there's gonna be other buyers looking at the house you're under contract with and you might be forced to make a decision based on this kickout clause language Yep. So just because it's a seller's market too, it doesn't mean that that, that seller should be, you know, drastically overpricing their houses. Or, Absolutely or, not. Because I have seen some houses that are sitting still sitting on the market because, you know, the sellers might be getting, you know, they're hearing us talk and they're seeing the new, you know, what's in the news and, and it is a busy market. That doesn't mean to go ahead and overprice your house because uh, it, it will sit. I think the key here is to is to get a. You want to have a multiple offer situation by pricing the home correctly, and would you say like you, you represent a lot of sellers? Are you seeing multiple offers right now on on houses? Well, again, so we, we we hear about a lot of that, and we hear about you know a huge amount of traffic at open houses, and and some of it. I mean, if I'll pick a market, I, I have an agent who talked about an open house she had in Braintree, and there are forty four people signed in on one Sunday. That's just not that's the people that signed in. Never mind all the people with them. So okay. just a huge amount of traffic, five offers, that type of stuff. Huge amount of demand. Uh, I'll defer to agents on how to price that properly and how to create that demand. But I will tell you one thing, if the house is way overpriced, you're not gonna have that type of traffic. And the, the, the key for a seller is to understand there's a lot of buyers out there, but buyers are only gonna pay what the market dictates. And the market dictates, a lot of it depends on what you start your pricing at. And there's a strategy to that. So mm-hmm. you know, Sharon's company, Boston Connect, has great, great resources, great, great knowledge of this market, and they can tell you the best way to, how you're gonna get the best price at the best terms. Yeah, I mean, the the buyers are educated uh, out there. They're, they're not going in just, you know, blind looking at looking at these houses and saying, oh, we'll just offer whatever. You know, the agents are, are educating the buyers on the, the comps, what has, what has sold recently. Um, so, you're, you know, you're dealing with a lot of people who know the numbers when they're about to make an offer. People don't wanna feel that they've overpaid for a property. Correct. And then the other thing is you got to keep in mind, a lot of people, most people are going to be getting a mortgage. And if there's any uncertainty that they're overpaying, they're going to put in a contingency that their bank's appraisal has to value the property at or above the price. So there's some protection there. 
So let's say I'm a seller. What is a kind of diving into more of these contingencies when you're writing up an offer? What is a suitable housing contingency? Okay, so this is, and again, it's market to market how a buyer is going to perceive this. But if if I'm selling my house to you, Andrew, yep. and you come in with an offer, and I'm happy, happy, happy that this is a seller's market, and I've had a lot of demand, and you're coming in and giving me a price I want. However, I need a place to live when I sell. Yeah. So, and I've got some concerns. I've been looking at the market. And that's a big concern right now. Huge. Concern. I want to I want to list my house, but where do I go? Huge concern. And and I in talking to our agent clients, that's one of the biggest objections to listing homes is where am I going to go? And if and and I'm not saying I recommend this across the board because you're you're putting a hindrance on selling your house. The best way to make sure you move your house is to have as few contingencies as possible. So if as a seller, you're putting a contingency on like this, some buyer is going to say, no, I, I can't take this risk. I need to know that if I perform, I'm getting this house. So if I'm selling and I'm concerned about where I'm going, I might say to Andrew, okay, great, great offer, but like the price, but I need to be able to find a house. So I have a suitable housing contingency. So from today's date, when we sign the offer, I have 30 or 45 or 60 days to get under contract with another house. Okay. If I don't, the deal's off. So Understood. So what that says is in the purchase and sale, we'll sign the purchase and sale, Valid contract has your closing date, but there's a contingency in there. If I don't have a executed purchase and sale agreement for the place I'm going to- On your to, new house. On my new buying. house, okay. as a, uh, where I'm going to be a buyer. If I don't have that by a certain date, the deal between you and me, Andrew, is off. So I get my house under agreement. Now I, I'm out looking for houses and 60 days goes by. And now all of a sudden I, I, I go, you know, I just haven't found a house I liked. That's the deal's part off. of the risk. Part that's, of the risk. That's the risk for the buyer. That's the risk for the buyer. You as the buyer in the situation we described. What's typical timeline? Uh, I know there's nothing really that's typical, but have you seen something like... Usually 30 days. 30 days? Okay. Yeah. I think that's quick. Well, it, the thing is, it's you got to get out there. I mean, if I'm the buyer, I don't want to be tied up too long. I yeah. want to know that, listen, I, there's the spring market tends to be the time when there's the most inventory. And if I'm sitting on the sidelines for 30, 60, or 30 days might be fine, but 60, 90 days, what am I missing as an opportunity? Yeah. 781-837-4900 is the number here. If you have any real estate or mortgage-related questions, please feel free to, to call into the show. We have some open lines. 781-837-4900. Let's dive into to some some of these more uh, these contingencies. Uh, one of the, the things that I, I actually really like, but the attorneys hate, is what's called a use and occupancy. Dive into what what is a use and occupancy, and I think this can be very beneficial for sellers uh, and buyers, depending on what what stage of the transaction you, we're at. So let's let's kind of dive into what that is. So traditionally, use and occupancy agreements were used when one of the parties wasn't prepared to close per the closing date in the purchase and sale agreement. Mm -hmm. So typical situation is unfortunately it's a Friday, and the buyer's bank doesn't have documents ready in time to close and go to record and going to record is when everything becomes official at the registry of deeds where the county for the prop where the property is located and deal can't get done money can't flow to the seller buyer can't get title so it might have closed or it might not have closed but the buyers planned on moving okay we have a closing date seller planned on moving but the deal didn't happen. Because the seller had nowhere to, like the seller well, couldn't move out is what was no, saying? No, 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 because the buyer's financing wasn't ready in time. So the, the deal okay. was supposed to close, yep. buyer's loan wasn't ready, and unfortunately this does happen, and so we couldn't close. So buyers had planned on moving, sellers had planned on moving, but the, the deal didn't happen in time to close at the registry. Okay. What will happen is 
the use and occupancy would say, okay, we as the seller will allow you as the buyer, even though we haven't closed, to move into the property, okay, and to live there for a certain amount of time. Usually if it's the scenario I described where Friday closing was supposed to happen, we'll give you to Monday, until Monday, to live there, move in, you have the use and occupancy, okay, so you, you just follow the words, you can use and occupy the property. You are not a tenant, it's a license, you're not given the rights of a tenant, so, mm-hmm. if, you don't, so if, if you don't close on Monday, you're out. Okay, so it gives you one extra business day for your bank to get everything together so you can close. It might be two extra days, three extra days, whatever's decided. So let's say someone's renting and their lease is expiring, so they have to be out. So they're saying, okay, can I move in? And we're, you know, I know we're, I'm pretty confident we're going to be closing on Monday. This is when this is used on the buyer side. Yeah, there's got to be certainty on both sides. Like, listen, sometimes with lenders, it gets busy at the end of the month. It's not their fault. Packages don't get out in time. The registry is only open from eight to four. And everyone, maybe it's already closed, we just haven't gotten a record. So it's just trying to accommodate the parties. And maybe some money is passed between the parties just for a you know, couple of days of use, things like that. That's typically what a use and occupancy agreement is for. Now, what has changed, and there was an article uh, in the Globe last weekend, what has changed is due to the very, very hot seller's market, some seller's agents have gotten the idea, and it's, it's creative, to say, listen, we'll sell you the house to the buyer. And again, you're the buyer, I'm the seller. I'll sell you my house. Closing date is going to be... 30, 45 days, whatever. June 15th, let's say. Yep. June 15th. However, if we don't have a home to go to, if we haven't found our property we're going to buy by the closing date, you're going to let us stay in the property for 30, 60, 90 days post-closing. Or it could be a situation where I've already found my house to to go to as the seller. It's new construction, what have you. But it's not going to be ready until August 15th. So yeah. I've got 60 days. So instead of me moving twice, I'm saying to the buyer, listen, I'll sell you my house at the price you've said. I'll give you the closing date you want. But we're going to do a use and occupancy for those two months, those 60 days, until my house is ready. We're going to take a short break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to kind of dive into uh, more of these uh, use and occupancy agreements I have a few questions. Um, We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Are you thinking about selling your home or buying a new one? Are you a first-time home buyer or perhaps just right-sizing? Do you have a buyer's agent? Do you know if you really even need one? What is home staging? Will it really help me sell my home faster? Do I have to have a home inspection? How much home insurance do I need for my new home? How do I handle my estate sale? What are home sale contingencies? Have you heard that you have to put 20% down to buy a new home? Did you know that that wasn't true? Are you worried about environmental issues? What is radon, lead paint, and mold? Is there a difference between a foreclosed property or a short sale? Do you need to have a Title V inspection to sell your home? What do you do if your system fails? Are these questions you have but you don't know who to ask? Hi, I'm Sharon McNamara of Boston Connect Real Estate. Call my office for a one-on-one consultation with me or one of the many dedicated agents at Boston Connect Real Estate so we can talk real estate. It's easy to connect with some of the South Shore's most experienced real estate agents. Go to bostonconnect.com, bostonconnect.com, or call 781-826-7300. Are you thinking about buying or selling a home? Are you looking to purchase investment property or considering converting a property into condominiums? Or are you a business owner or investor selling or acquiring commercial real estate? Mahoney Law Group is a full-service real estate law firm and has guided thousands of people in the South Shore area through all stages and types of real estate ownership, including buying, selling, refinancing, and condominium conversions. 
They specialize in residential and commercial real estate closings and title issues. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or a seasoned commercial real estate investor, the knowledgeable and experienced staff at Mahoney Law Group is ready to help, and they're always available. Make sure to ask about their first-time home buyer discounts on fees and title insurance. If you have questions about buying, selling, or refinancing, give them a call, 781-849-0700. Visit their website at mlgne.com or like them on Facebook and Twitter. Again, that number is 781-849-0700. Visit their website, mlgne.com, or like them on Facebook and Twitter. Mahoney Law Group. 50% more talk real estate, absolutely free. Talk real estate with Sharon McNamara. Now, one hour, every Saturday morning on 95.9 WATD. Welcome back, South Shore, to Talk Real Estate. I'm Andrew Monticone, a mortgage loan officer with Leader Bank. I'm filling in for Sharon McNamara this week uh, from Boston Connect Real Estate. I'm here with uh, a real estate attorney, Brad Mahoney, and we're talking about uh, purchase and sale agreements, use and occupancies, home sale contingencies, really really what comes up during a real estate transaction on the buy and sell side. If you have any questions, any mortgage-related questions, uh, timing questions on how to buy and sell at the same time, purchase and sale questions, please feel free to call into the show at 781-837-4900. Again, that's 781-837-4900. Before the break, we were talking about a use and occupancy agreement. We want to continue uh, to dive into this a little bit because I'm seeing them more and more. Uh, for the seller. So Brad, you, you were talking about an article in the Globe and, and what sellers are doing. Kind of let, let's pick up on that. Yeah. So again, this is a great tactic for sellers. Agents love it. Uh, buyers can think, okay, great. I, I might need some more time to get uh, out of my lease. So yeah, I know we're closed. I, I got my rate done. I own the house, uh, but you know the seller's going to stay there. And, and the use and occupancy agreements are drafted. So the seller's responsible for utilities, for taxes, um, probably going to be paying some rent, which equates to either the market rent for the property or covering the buyer's mortgage costs monthly yep. during that time of occupancy. So there's a, it seems like there's a lot of win-wins there, right? Well, the issue is you bring in the lawyers. And okay. with the lawyers, we don't like this agreement at all because no one thinks about what happens if there's casualty loss on the property. What does it think if there's a fire loss on the property? Who's responsible? So what if um, somebody gets hurt? really bad. Who's responsible? Well, the use and occupancy says that the seller, if they're staying over, is supposed to keep insurance on the property. But it just becomes a mess. Well, well, how does the seller keep insurance on the property if they don't own it? Kind of like a rental policy. So they have to get a rental policy. Okay, rental policy. so that that, sound, that may, would make sense. What if, you know, if I'm the buyer, now it's very clear in the use and occupancy agreement that a tenancy is not created. So there's no tenant's rights because Massachusetts, uh, the courts are very, very heavily weighed towards the rights of the tenant. Okay. So there's no tenant rights. It's, it's obviously the fear here is I now own, okay, so use and occupancy, the, the deal's closed, I own the property But now, I don't live in it. But you still live in it, Yeah, right? I'm the seller, I still live in it. So uh, one of the major concerns is what if they don't move out or what if something happens during that time? What if it's, what happens if there is damage to the house, water damage, what if there's fire damage? So what happens? Well, you've got, we've got a rental policy, hopefully they put it back to the condition that it was when we did the final walkthrough with the closing. But if I'm in an insurance company and you're doing a renter's policy and you know and something happens to the to the property, there you know the renter's policy most likely wouldn't cover 
Yes. You know, the bu- the building, they're going to cover contents, but I mean, the right? And the buyers have insurance because their bank generally does not know this is going on, okay? The other thing to keep in mind is when you buy a home as an owner-occupant, and you know this, Andrew, the lenders have uh, an affidavit it's in their closing 60, package. supposed to be 60 days. you got to move into the home within 60 so days as your primary residence. It's an important, that's an important uh, fact is that when you, when you purchase a property... As a primary residence, this is not as an investment property. As you, as you close and you're and you you know you applied for a primary residence home, technically you are supposed to move into that home within 60 days of closing. That is correct. Is not there, technically legally le- legally <laughs> technically legally however you want to call it. You know, is this you know is there a little bit of leeway? You know, if it's 61 days or 62 days, will anything really happen? You know, probably not. But 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 by the law, you're supposed to be moved in within 60 days of closing as a primary residence. You're in violation of the mortgage that you signed up with the bank at that point, and you know they do have the right to call the note. To call the note if and, you're if you're in violation of it, if if there's mortgage fraud. And if there's any, and, and if anyone reala- you know wants to know what call the note means, it says your balance is due now. Right. So if you owe 400, 300, they they put a you know they say well, you you owe us, and we're going to start foreclosing on the property until you pay us. That's correct. Um, so it is an important thing to remember if you do these use and occupancies that technically and legally, as we have the attorney here is reminding me, you, you got to move into that property as your primary residence. And the other thing is, you know, if, if I'm the lender, okay, and I'm making a loan to the buyer on this property, I don't know if I want you being a landlord technically for the first 30 or 60 days, uh, making a loan to you. And sometimes we understand, uh, lenders understand that it takes some time to get moved in, what have you. But having another occupant there creates, a, as we've discussed, a whole other host of issues. The, we've talked about damage. We've talked about um, the issue with occupancy by the buyer and their lender. But a big one is if what if somebody doesn't move out, you you can't just go in the next day and say, okay, you were yeah, supposed to be out. You the, can't. You got to get out. It's not that. I easy. think that would be probably my my biggest concern if I if I was doing a use and occupancy. Not you know with the damage and all that. The insurance, as long as you have insurance, you, yeah, you got to pay the deductible. But still, it's going to be fixed. Yeah. And, and and you know so it, anything can be fixed if you have insurance. You know what I mean? Of course, it could be a little pricey, but I think the the more annoying part would be if someone just decided not to move out. Because that's frustrating. Because that you can't do anything. And then you're getting real damages because you probably had planned on moving it that day. So where are you living? That's Where's your saying. stuff being that's stored? The, at a that big time? inconvenience and a, a cost. So that's the thing. So these use and occupancies, they traditionally have been used just to um, for convenience of parties. If a deal was delayed, if a closing was delayed, they're now being suggested as ways to allow uh, a seller to stay in a property a little bit longer. They can be flipped. Uh, they can. Uh, for a buyer and a seller who wants to be out of the property before a closing date and a buyer that wants to be in before the closing date, they can be configured that way. So the buyer has a use and occupancy before they own the hot property. Same issues. Uh, the one is if, if the buyer never closes, how does the seller get them out? Okay, so that's a concern. Yeah. Um, but again, you, you're probably going to hear more and more about them as the seller's side of the market continues to be strong. Uh, just know that it's not a perfect fix. There are some pitfalls to look out for, and that's where you really have to have a real estate attorney to go through it. Uh, if, you, if you decided you're willing to take the risks, make sure you have a real estate attorney draft it so your interests are covered, and you know, just be aware of, of what they might be. Out of all the transactions that I've, that I've done in the last 10 years, I mean, there's been very few people who do not use a real estate attorney 
to to close, you know, on the buy or the sell side. Mm-hmm. And I there's probably a few people out there who who don't. And I and I just can't imagine someone doing a transaction these days without hiring a real estate attorney. Well, I think the biggest thing for me when I look at buyers and sellers is if you see a really sophisticated buyer or seller, owner of property who owns a lot of real estate, does a lot of transactions, they always have an attorney. And to me, that's the biggest signal. They know they've, they've done this. They could probably do the transaction, know the transaction in their sleep in terms of the business side of it, but protecting their interest, having a legal buffer between them and the transaction, them and the other party, they always hire an attorney. It's so important. Yeah. And it's, it, you know, some people want to put it on the broker, but th- that puts the broker in the tough spot because they're not an attorney and then they can't get into and delve into details that have them do an unauthorized practice of law. So it, it's not a ton of money. Usually how the, the cost format is now in Massachusetts, it's a fixed fee relationship. Um, as a buyer, if, you're, if your lender is going to have your attorney do the closing for you, yep. uh, there's, a, there's a cost efficiency there as well. Definitely. So don't, don't think that it's a huge retainer to get this attorney. It's not. It's very manageable cost-wise. Especially for the, the, the sales price that you're buying. I mean, yep. you know, the, the prices now hundreds of thousands of dollars to purchase real estate, you know, it's worth it to spend, you know, under $1,000 to hire, you know, whether it's the sell side or the buy side to protect your interest. It just, it, the numbers make sense. You Absolutely. Know? So um, let's kind of back up a little bit and, and talk about something that's that's really important and that that's a home sale contingency. Uh, what, number one, what is it? When is it met? Let's kind of just dive into all aspects of it. It's a really hot topic mm-hmm. um, and it's an important one to talk about. So, when you, as a buyer, have a, a home that you have to sell, and so part of your offer is, uh, you know, my obligation to perform is subject to the sale of 123 Main Street, my, my, my current home, you've got to be very careful in the language because the word sale can mean a bunch of different things uh, to a bunch of different good point. people. So sale, does sale mean under agreement? Does, does, sale it, mean, does mean, it mean for sale? Does sale mean when you have a signed offer on your home that you're selling? Does it mean when you have a signed purchase and sale? on the home that you're selling? Does it mean when your buyer on the home you're selling has their mortgage commitment? Or does it mean when you close on the sale, which would probably get you up all the way to the closing date of your purchase? And the distinction is such that you've got to be careful if there isn't a meeting of the minds between you as the buyer and your seller, you might not be protected because there can be a gap. And I've seen situations where uh, it's the offer, and this is where we, at the beginning, you mentioned about maybe lawyers being needed for offers. Well, this is probably where you want the lawyer to be consulted for language, because I've had situations where offers already been signed, inspections been done, uh, my office has been retained to review the purchase and sale, and we put in that our client as the buyer, their obligation to perform is subject to a successful close of 123 Main Street. Seller side pushes back and says, no, 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 we're not waiting all the way till the closing to give them that contingency. And there becomes a disagreement. Sometimes the deal falls apart because my client, the buyer says, I can't afford to buy this property unless I sell my home. So if my home doesn't close and I don't receive the proceeds, I can't buy. And I'm not willing to put my deposit, which is 5% of the price at risk. On the line. If I say that, I'll waive my home sale contingency once a purchase and sale is signed because my buyer on my home sale still has oblig- still has contingency rights to get out of the deal. Even if I say I will uh, have my home sale contingency be when my buyer gets their mortgage 
contingency, and that's waived. So I'm technically non-contingent with my buyer. There's still things that could happen on your sale, and your deposit would be at risk. For instance, what if you have a title problem on your home and you can't sell? Your buyer does not have to buy. So you, yep. and, and so then, and I don't want to get too confusing here, but then not, your, your seller on the deal you're buying might not wait around, so your deposit's in jeopardy. What if there's fire or casualty damage to your home that you're selling? The seller on the place you're buying might not wait around for you to fix the property to have it so it's satisfactory for your buyer. And then, God forbid, what if a party on your sale passes away, dies? What happens there? So you've got to be very careful. Now, there's some people who are lucky enough, they can afford that if they don't sell their house, they, still can, buy. they can still buy. This doesn't concern them. But if you're using every dollar in your sale for your purchase, you've got to pay attention to the language in your home, quote unquote, sale contingency. It's really a home closing contingency in those cases. No, that's that's a good point. Um, I think a lot of people are out there that that need to sell in order to buy their next property. You know, their down payment is is, is in that property. They build up a lot of equity over the years, and uh, or more. You know, for the mortgage application, it's not easy to carry two mortgages. I mean, not you have to all. make a, you have to make a lot of money to carry two mortgages um, to to qualify for the mortgage. Seven eight one. 837-4900 is our number. If you have any real estate-related questions uh, or mortgage-related questions, feel free to call into the show. Uh, we do have some open lines, 781-837-4900. Um, back to the home sale contingency. What if what if this happens? Let's say that it's a competitive bid situation. Okay, so you're, you, you know, we, uh, the buyers are out there. There's a home that's priced really, really aggressively or, or priced right, and there's a lot of activity, you know, similar to the situation you were talking about in Braintree. And there's, you know, multiple offers, and, and the, uh, one party really likes the house, and they say, I, I know that we need to sell our house to, to buy, but let's just waive our contingency mm-hmm. and let's just roll the dice. We know our, we, we feel that our house will sell pretty quick. I'm not worried about it, and I'm going to go, I'm going to put an offer in, not contingent on the sale of my house. And, the deal, the, the sellers accept their offer, and their house doesn't sell, and now they can't. Now they can't perform. The buyers can't perform and close. What mm-hmm. happens? It depends. So, in the purchase and sale that this hypothetical buyer signed for their purchase, a good seller's attorney would write in language that the buyer's obligation to perform is not contingent on the sale or refinance of any real property. And their mortgage commitment cannot be used to get out of the deal if there's a contingency or a condition in the mortgage com- commitment on the sale of any or refinance of any real property. So if they can sneak that, la- if they can get a purchase and sale signed without that language in there, they might be able to use the mortgage commitment clause to, to get say, out hey, listen, I can't qualify for a loan. But if they have a seller who hired a good attorney and that language that I just described was in that contract, there's going to be a fight over a deposit, unfortunately. They, their, deposit, yeah. their deposit will will be at risk. And the way it works in Massachusetts, it's it's not a fait accompli that it's just going to go to the seller, but uh, they'll be have, having to hire a litigator to protect their deposit. So what Brad's talking about is when a buyer puts down a deposit on, on a property, usually it's 5% at the signing of the purchase and sales, and then the buyer doesn't perform, and they are really, I guess, technically breaching the contract. That's correct. As the long as the seller's performed. The, the seller has the right to keep that 5%. That's correct. Or potentially. Has the potential right. And how it works is that money is held by 
a third party, usually the listing agent mm -hmm. in escrow, and there's specific instructions in the purchase and sale agreement that say that the deposit shall be released only by written instructions that are mutual by both buyer and seller or by a final court order from a court of competent jurisdiction. So what does that mean? It means it takes some time. It doesn't mean if the buyer breaches the next day, the escrow agent just signs a check to the seller. It means that the seller is going to have to hire a litigator. The buyer is going to hire a litigator. There's going to be a contesting of some sort to fight over the deposit. Um, it can be protracted. It can be expensive. But if someone's truly breached a contract and there's real harm there, it's something that should be done. And sellers do keep deposits. And I don't want to get into the converse side of that, which is buyers can demand specific performance. That's for another day. But um, the buyers do lose deposits if they breach a contract. And they've got to be aware of that. So... In the past, what you could do, and I, I, someone said, and I don't know if this is true or not, that they changed this this law that, that let's say, you know, I'm a buyer, you're the seller, and I, I, I don't perform, and you, and you threaten, or you do keep my deposit. You say, well, you didn't perform, I'm putting my house back on the market, and I'm going to keep your 5%. And I say, well, okay, I'm going to sue. I'm going to put, you, I'm going to tie your house up in pending litigation. Yep, it's called a Liz pendants. So, in the past, if your house has pending litigation on it, you can't sell it. You cannot sell. Is that still the case? That is still the case. So as a seller in this scenario where there's been a breach by the buyer and you want to keep the deposit, if you still really want to sell your house quickly, like now in the next 30, 60, 90 days, you're probably going to have to either negotiate, depending on how egregious the breach was by the buyer, have to negotiate giving maybe keeping some and giving some back or just giving the whole deposit back because the buyer is going to, if they feel they have a right to that deposit or it's a large amount of money to them, um, they're gonna hire an attorney, it's gonna be a Liz Pendence putting your property and you cannot sell until that matter is settled. Now, I'm not a litigator, but there are, if, if there is a, really a, a strong wrong by the buyer, um, you can get motions pretty quick to get it demanded that the money goes to you. But if there's uh, facts that maybe a court would look at and think that both sides have some, um, fault in it, it's going to take time. you got to be aware of that. So I think in a, in a slower real estate market where things take a little bit longer to sell, you would see more sellers try to keep the deposits where in a faster moving market, I and this is just my opinion, that it's less likely that sellers keep it just because they say, okay, let's just give it back. Let's move on. I don't want to tie my house up in all this litigation. I want to give it back. I mean, I, I would think, I mean, if we're talking, if we have reasonable people on both sides of the transaction. Right. So if you have a, if you have a motivated seller, they're just going to say, give it back. Put know, it back on the this market. this doesn't happen again, we'll, we'll, we got it offered on the first weekend. We'll put it back on the market and springtime we'll get an offer again this weekend. Where you might see an issue is if we're in a market where there's more uncertainty and maybe there's sure. actually, we've been on a contract for 60, 90 days and the it market's dra not. It's dragging on. on. Maybe the, the market um, is down a little bit you might see a, a seller say, wait, listen, I can't get this price. There's no way I can match the price I was given. I've got real damages here. I'm keeping that deposit. We're going to take another short break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk more with Brad Mahoney, uh, real estate attorney. Uh, we'll be right back. Are you thinking about selling your home or buying a new one? Are you a first-time home buyer or perhaps just right-sizing? Do you have a buyer's agent? Do you know if you really even need one? What is home staging? Will it really help me sell my home faster? Do I have to have a home inspection? How much home insurance do I need for my new home? How do I handle my estate sale? What are home sale contingencies? Have you heard that you have to put 20% down to buy a new home? 
Did you know that that wasn't true? Are you worried about environmental issues? What is radon, lead paint, and mold? Is there a difference between a foreclosed property or a short sale? Do you need to have a Title V inspection to sell your home? What do you do if your system fails? Are these questions you have, but you don't know who to ask? Hi, I'm Sharon McNamara of Boston Connect Real Estate. Call my office for a one-on-one consultation with me or one of the many dedicated agents at Boston Connect Real Estate so we can talk real estate. It's easy to connect with some of the South Shore's most experienced real estate agents. Go to bostonconnect.com, bostonconnect.com, or call 781-826-7300. Are you thinking about buying or selling a home? Are you looking to purchase investment property or considering converting a property into condominiums? Or are you a business owner or investor selling or acquiring commercial real estate? Mahoney Law Group is a full-service real estate law firm and has guided thousands of people in the South Shore area through all stages and types of real estate ownership, including buying, selling, refinancing, and condominium conversions. They specialize in residential and commercial real estate closings and title issues. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or a seasoned commercial real estate investor. The knowledgeable and experienced staff at Mahoney Law Group is ready to help and they're always available. Make sure to ask about their first-time home buyer discounts on fees and title insurance. If you have questions about buying, selling, or refinancing, give them a call, 781-849-0700. Visit their website at mlgne.com or like them on Facebook and Twitter. Again, that number is 781-849-0700. Visit their website, mlgne.com, or like them on Facebook and Twitter, Mahoney Law Group. 50% more talk real estate, absolutely free. Talk real estate with Sharon McNamara, now one hour every Saturday morning on 95.9 WATD. Welcome back, So Shore. I'm sitting here with uh, attorney Brad Mahoney, uh, going over a lot of really important uh, facts when entering into a real estate contract. Uh, Brad, can I just tell us about your firm, where you're located, uh, areas of practice? Uh, Yeah, I'm happy to, Andrew. Uh, Mahoney Law Group, we're a boutique real estate law firm. We're located in Braintree, right by the South Shore Plaza, so great location. I live in Hingham. I live on the South Shore, so we do a lot of our coverage for clients on the South Shore, Boston, Metro West, but all over Massachusetts. We focus on residential and commercial real estate. We represent lenders, buyers, sellers. We also do condo conversions, which has become more and more oh, popular. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, but become more and more popular, doing a lot of that. Uh, it's not just me. There's I've got five great employees. Uh, I've got a couple attorneys there. And if anyone has any questions about buying, selling, what they're doing with their lender, there's uh, new regulations coming out later this year, please give us a call. We're at 781 781- Eight four nine zero seven zero zero. Again, that's seven eight one eight four nine zero seven zero zero, and we would be happy to assist. Great. Um, so we were talking about uh, you know contracts and and you know when people getting you know people, sellers holding deposits and and all that. All the really negative stuff. All the really negative real stuff. Uh, should we back up just a little bit and about inspection contingencies about when you know the home inspection obviously is a. Is a it's really huge. big hurdle when you know you, you get it, you, you know all this work to get the house under agreement. You sign the offer to purchase, and then it comes down time for the home inspection. Yeah. So let's kind of just dive into that. So that is really the crux of the deal. So it's it's great to get an offer signed, but 
most attorneys will, when they get introduced to a client or get called from a client saying, hey, listen, I just signed a offer to purchase for this house. I'd like to have you represent me. Is either a buyer or a seller. What I always say is, okay, when's the inspection? Yep. Give me a day. Okay, call me after the inspection. If you know you're going forward, then we'll start working. We don't want to waste anybody's money. But it's important. You got to get pest inspection. Uh, it does big, it depending on what type of loan program you're getting, as you know, there's different types of inspections you have to get, uh, the structural integrity, just the overall integrity of the, of the property. That becomes a good bargaining chip for you as a buyer to go back to the seller and say, hey, listen, there's these things that maybe I want a credit for. I want you to repair pre-closing. Um, or maybe as a buyer, you feel like you're getting a good enough deal or the market's tight enough that you just say, okay, you know what? I'm willing to pay the price that I'm paying and deal with these various inspection mm-hmm. items. Or the inspection could be so bad and the house could be in such a poor condition that you didn't realize that you walk away from the deal. Now, if you do walk away from the deal at that point, you get your deposit money back. You're protected by the language in the offer that if the inspection is not satisfactory to you, you can get out of the contract as the buyer and get your deposit money back. One issue that comes up with inspections, because you have the offer to purchase, Usually it gives you 10 days to get an inspection, but it also gives you 10 days to sign a mutually agreeable purchase and sale agreement. The one inspection result that we typically don't see back if a buyer chooses to get it are radon results. Radon gas is something that is found, uh, naturally comes out of the ground. It's found in basements. If you don't have radon results back, it's it's a very dangerous uh, type of natural gas that comes out of the ground. Uh, You're going to want to know the results. Well, if you don't have the results and you're the buyer, you or your agent has to tell your real estate attorney, I need protection regarding radon in the purchase and sale. And what we do is we just put a contingency in there that if the radon results, usually within four or five days of the signing of the purchase and sale, if they're unsatisfactory, put in a contingency that you have the right to cancel or the seller has to have a licensed radon professional install a radon mitigation system and provide follow-up testing results showing that the radon levels are below and acceptable per the EPA standards. And something to note is that on the mortgage side of things, there's three. There's really three different types of loans a buyer can go for, and it's uh, a conventional jumbo loan, a VA loan, or an FHA loan are really the three main main ones we see, and uh, they're they're strict. Uh, you know, if you're doing an FHA or VA loan, they're strict on the on some certain things on the property, the condition of the property. Conventional and jumbo loans are usually the the less strict. But just a couple examples, um, you know, if you're you know sometimes a house might have chipped or peeled paint, mm-hmm. either on the window sills or on the outside, that would be an FHA or VA violation, and that would have to be fixed before you close. I have a, a deal going on right now where the side of the house needs to be scraped and painted. And sometimes you'll see in purchase and sale agreements, a smart seller's attorney will write in that if the seller's tight on money, they don't have to pay for any lender mandated repairs. Smart. Yeah, that's that's a good one Uh, for for the seller for sure. So that's something to think about too. One, the type of loan that you're going for, if it's an FHA or VA loan, and the house you know is in is in need of uh, you know repair, you might want to maybe reconsider or ask your lender and give them the heads up, like, hey, this is what's going on uh, in the property. Uh, You know, will this be an FHA violation or or anything like that? Um, Just something important to note where on conventional or jumbo loans, they're less strict and it doesn't really make as much of a difference. Which loan program wants to see the pest inspection? That's a VA loan. Uh, Every VA loan uh, 
it is required what's called a termite inspection or a pest inspection. And I'm actually doing one of these right now. I do a lot of VA loans. Uh, they're, they're great. And if there is termite damage and it needs to be addressed, you can open up a big can of worms with this where if the termite report says, oh, you know, there, it looks like there's active termite, termites and it was never treated and there's some damage around the beams, that really makes the VA nervous and they're going to want a structural engineer out to make sure that the property is stable. Who pays for that? That That's on the buyer's expense. Okay. You know, um, and a case that I'm dealing with right now, there's, there's some... There's some damage that needs to be repaired, you know, ten, fifteen thousand uh, to for the support beams, and and VA will not let you close until that that is fixed. So okay. for a distressed property or a property that you're planning on doing a lot of work in, a VA or an FHA loan is is going to be a lot more challenging. So but not to open up another can of worms. And there's a two hundred three k loan, right? That you can do. You could do it. You can do a, a rehab loan, but those are those tough are to tough to get under agreement now because of how competitive the market is, where if the seller knows that you're gonna be doing a construction or a two or three K loan, they might be hesitant. Because it takes more time. It takes more time, there's more, uh, there's more regulations. And they might say, well, you know, if you're up against a competitive offer and someone's coming in with a conventional loan and you're gonna be doing an FHA loan, a really good listing agent will say, well, they're doing FHA, this guy's doing conventional. You know, the property's in a little bit of rough shape. Even if the uh, conventional's price they're offering is lower. Yeah, they, yeah, it might be a better decision to go with the conventional financing over the FHA or VA financing. Dep and this is depending on the situation, of course. Um, why don't we do a, a, a quick uh, rate update to kind of let everybody know where the rates are. Uh, the rates have been, have been very good. We have seen a slight tick up over the last week, but they're still considerably low. So I'm just gonna run through the different rates right now. Uh, a 30-year fixed mortgage, which without question is the most common mortgage that we see, uh, that is at 3.625 for a 30-year fixed mortgage. And that's for a conventional or a jumbo loan. That is a really low 30-year fixed rate. Um, a 15-year fixed, which a lot of people do now, is 2.875 for conventional. On a 5-1 arm, whether it's a conventional or jumbo, super low rate, 2.625. That's, so that means it's fixed for five years. So 2.625 fixed for five years. We have a 7-1 arm jumbo or conventional at 2.875. So that means that the term would be fixed for seven years at 2.875. We have a 10-1 arm, which means it's fixed for 10 years at 3%. I mean, these, these, these rates are so low. And then of course we have a, um, an FHA or a VA loan and those 30 year fixes are super low at three and a quarter percent. So. We have a lot of competitive uh, interest rates out there with a competitive real estate market. So people are buying. Uh, it's, a, it's a good time to, if you're looking to refinance as well and you bought two years ago or a year ago, definitely uh, call your lender or if you have any questions, you can certainly call me uh, and I can you know walk you through to see if refinancing is worth, worth it for you. My phone number is 781 5085. Again, my name is Andrew Monticone at Leader Bank and 781-474-5085. Brad, do you have any um, final thoughts uh, on, on today's topics? Anything that you can recommend to uh, buyers or sellers 
uh, went, went out there looking at properties. There's a lot of people out looking for properties, and there's going to be a lot more this weekend. So what, what, do you, what do you suggest? You know, a few things. One is make sure you have uh, an experienced, responsive real estate agent you're working, for, working with that knows the market you're in and can tell you price per foot, can tell you comps, can make sure that you're getting a good deal. And it goes without saying, if you're looking on the South Shore, Boston Connect is a great resource for you. Secondly, make sure you've done a pre-approval, not a pre-qualification, but a pre-approval from a lender that, again, someone that's responsive that you can get an answer from when you have questions, because questions are inevitably gonna come up before you start looking. You need to know what you can afford. You need to know if there's any uh, kinks in your credit or your job history or your assets or what have you. You wanna get those ironed out before you're making an offer on a property. When you have those two things, uh, it gets more complicated if you have a uh, property you've gotta sell, what have you. Uh, but just make sure you have all those things lined up before you go and put an offer. I can't tell you how many times we get a call, oh, we put an offer in and then People are trying to stuff everything into the box, trying to fix everything, and it just creates a lot of undue stress. Do it before you make the offer. Once It's a very competitive market, as we've discussed today. Once you have an offer to purchase under agreement, the time starts ticking, and sellers don't have to be flexible right now. They're not flexible right now, and you have to meet these deadlines. And there's real consequences if you don't. Last but not least, make sure you have a good real estate attorney, and make sure it's a real estate attorney. There's a lot of attorneys out there who are great at whatever practice area they choose, but as a practitioner in just real estate, I can tell you it's very frustrating when a family friend or someone who part-part-part uh, part-time does real estate gets involved in a deal. It slows down the deal. If they're stuck in court all day, things don't get answered. You want a responsible, dedicated real estate attorney to represent you. How can people get in touch with you if they have any questions about, you know, they're going to put putting on their putting their house on the market soon or they're they're under contract? How can they get in touch with you? Yeah, a number at the office is 781-849. 0700. Again, that's 781-849-0700. And we're on the web at www.mlgne.com. Again, www.mlgne.com. Great. Well, thanks, Brad, for, for coming in. Uh, we had a great show today. A lot of good information. Again, if you have any uh, questions for Brad, de definitely give him a call. If you need to get pre-approved or have any refinancing questions, you can always call me. Uh, again, Andrew Monticone at Leader Bank at 781 Four seven four five zero eight five. Again, that's seven eight one four seven four five zero eight five. selling your home or buying a new one? Are you a first-time home buyer or perhaps just right-sizing? Do you have a buyer's agent? Do you know if you really even need one? 
What is home staging? Will it really help me sell my home faster? Do I have to have a home inspection? How much home insurance do I need for my new home? How do I handle my estate sale? What are home sale contingencies? Have you heard that you have to put 20% down to buy a new home? Did you know that that wasn't true? Are you worried about environmental issues? What is radon, lead paint, and mold? Is there a difference between a foreclosed property or a short sale? Do you need to have a Title V inspection to sell your home? What do you do if your system fails? Are these questions you have but you don't know who to ask? Hi, I'm Sharon McNamara of Boston Connect Real Estate. Call my office for a one-on-one consultation with me or one of the many dedicated agents at Boston Connect Real Estate so we can talk real estate. It's easy to connect with some of the South Shore's most experienced real estate agents. Go to bostonconnect.com, bostonconnect.com, or call 781-826-7300. Are you thinking about buying or selling a home? Are you looking to purchase investment property or considering converting a property into condominiums? Or are you a business owner or investor selling or acquiring commercial real estate? Mahoney Law Group is a full-service real estate law firm and has guided thousands of people in the South Shore area through all stages and types of real estate ownership, including buying, selling, refinancing, and condominium conversions. They specialize in residential and commercial real estate closings and title issues. Whether you're a first time home buyer or a seasoned commercial real estate investor, the knowledgeable and experienced staff at Mahoney Law Group is ready to help and they're always available. Make sure to ask about their first time home buyer discounts on fees and title insurance. If you have questions about buying, selling, or refinancing, give them a call 781-849-0700. Visit their website at mlgne.com or like them on Facebook and Twitter. Again, that number is 781-849-0700.